So today I'm going to speak again on an issue that Jesus brings to our attention out of the Sermon on the Mount. I'm speaking today as Jesus will present the very foundational principle of the golden rule. The golden rule. Uh, and Jesus will tell us why it's so important, why it sets the stage for everything that we hope to be as Christians, and why Jesus wants us to give our attention to this. Uh, and we will find this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Now, <clears throat> when you look at this uh, verse, as we will put it up on the board, uh, when you do this, I have chosen this week to use the King James Version. Uh, and and uh, that's actually not it, but that's okay. Uh, and because in the King James Version, it begins as follows. It says, Therefore... All things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Therefore, therefore, whatsoever ye would that men would do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So now why would Jesus start this, and the King James Version has therefore, why would Jesus start with therefore? Well, the reason he would start with therefore is he's connecting that passages to the other passage that he talked about treating others. How do you treat others? How do you pray for others? Um, what's the issue with gossip and slander? And how Jesus wants to stop that. And so therefore, in the last verse that he will speak about how we are to treat others, in that last verse he says, therefore. It is not a detached statement. It doesn't sit out there by itself, but it's part of all those other verses. And it has a connection to everything that has gone on before. And so Jesus is dealing again with the subject of the judgment of other people. He's been very careful about that, warning us not to judge other people. He's never really left that issue. And so having shown us how in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, how to be blessed uh, and rendering us capable of advancing the kingdom of God. He now tells us that this one principle ties everything together. Therefore, how you want to be treated is how you should treat other people. Let this be your rule. Let this be the context of how you live in every aspect of your life. Let this be the reminder. And so this really resonates with me because it reminds me of what God has done for us. You see, God has embraced us and saved us even though we were not lovable, uh, even though we are filled with sin, even though we are not good people, yet God reaches across eternity and saves us uh, by his grace and mercy. So if that's the attitude that God has towards us, how much more should that permeate our attitude to our neighbors? Uh, and so this exhortation really comes alive to me as I recognize how God wants us to live. And so here we stand, you see, face to face with God uh, as Jesus is giving us this final directive about how to live in terms of other people and other relationships. Face to face with God, it is an absolutely remarkable statement, you see. Remarkable. He is really saying that if you are in trouble at all as to how you should act with other people and other relationships, you shouldn't be. 
You treat them as you would want to be treated back. You love them as you would want to be loved back. You respect them as you would want to be respected back. What pleases me, I should, I should do to them. What disturbs me, I should stay away from that. You see, that's the essence of how we are to live as Christians. That's how we are to live. Uh, and so we also ask ourselves, what discourages me? Well, that's what I should stay away from when I deal with other people. What are the things that I dislike? Well, that's the things that I should stay away from in my other relationships. And so you need to work this out, not just in thoughts and in words, but in deeds as well. Make it the very essence of your life as you walk with Jesus Christ. Um, and so as we draw up this list of actions, we must put ourselves constantly in the shoes of the other person. If I were standing in those shoes, how would I want to be treated? How would I like to be respected? How would I like to be liked? And when you do that, your life will change. Relationships will change. Uh, well, we know that we do not like unkind things said about us. Well, if that's the case, why would you say unkind things? Why would you say unkind things to other people? Uh, you do not like to be around people who are nasty or difficult. Well, then why would you? Why would you be nasty or difficult in your relationships with other people? Um, and you, so you see it, all the relationships that we have in the modern world can be reduced to this. Now, I laugh when I hear non-Christians say, well, you know, I don't really believe in the Bible. I'm not really a Christian. I'm not a member of any formal religion, but I follow the golden rule. Well, bzz, Wrong answer, okay? Wrong answer, and I'll make it very simple for you. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. You can't possibly live by the golden rule if you're not a Christian. You see, it's the very grace of God, the mercy of God, and the Holy Spirit of God residing within you that allows you to live by the golden rule. If you don't have that inhabiting within you, you cannot live this way. The very natural human tendency uh, is to be angry and vituperative uh, and vengeful. It's not to be loving. It's only the love of Jesus Christ in your heart that changes everything. And so, really, and I can give you an example of this that somebody in the church told me about this recently, that they were in Publix and they had spent a long day working uh, and they hadn't had anything to eat, and so she and her husband went to Publix, and she ordered uh, some sandwiches. And it's now late on a Sunday night, uh, and there's a woman in her 60s at the sandwich counter making the sandwiches. And it's taking forever for those sandwiches to be made. You know that. You've been there. In the beginning, when I came down from New Jersey, and I would stand at the Publix counter when they checked you out, oftentimes I wanted to jump over the counter and start doing it myself. You know what that's like. And so you're sitting there and you're seeing somebody fumbling around for a sandwich. And yet suddenly she said, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit because I looked at this woman in her 60s. I said, this poor lady is making sandwiches on a Sunday night. And I'm sitting here judging her. Shame on me, Father. I should be praying for her that she's in a situation like that and helping her. You see, that's the golden rule. That's how the golden rule changes everything. Suddenly, it's not about you. Suddenly, it's not about self, but it's about the other person. 
and you recognize what that other person is going through. What a way to change the world. Don't you see why when we live like this, the world is drawn to the Christian? Nobody acts like this but Christians. Nobody. And so Jesus knows now that it's not merely enough, not merely enough to tell people the right way to live. The, the problem is much deeper than that. You know, you can't just deal with just words. And so Jesus delves down through scriptures, and he indicates that this principle, this principle of the golden rule is frankly the summary of everything in the law and the prophets. Everything. Imagine that. It is their whole purpose and effect. The entire Bible written, all the commandments written over this issue. It summarizes everything. Everything that the prophets said effectively leverages out on this point. Uh, and that is why, another example, why God's law has been so grossly misunderstood. You see, the Jewish people made it a question of following legal principles. But it wasn't legal principles that God wanted. He wanted the spirit and intent of the law. He wanted them to love and to reach out in love. That's what he tried to teach them, and they never really understood it. The scribes and the Pharisees never understood it. And Jesus focused in on that. And so much of the trouble begins with the fact that we never really understand the meaning of God's law. We never do. It is the character and intent of the law that becomes critical. We tend to think of rules and regulations and prohibitions, don't do this and don't do that. But we forget the very intent of the law uh, and its entirely false view of the law. The very intent of the law, according to Jesus, is love. Love your neighbor. Love him as you would want to be loved. You know, when Jesus distilled all of the, all of the Bible into two, two commands, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, and with all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. That's it. You have that? You have the entire Bible. You've distilled everything that God tried to do through the law and the prophets. Now, you can't do this unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't do this without the grace and mercy of God. You can't do this unless you walk with Jesus on a regular basis. And that's what this is about, understanding this. Yes, we want to live this way, but in order to live this way, we have to have Jesus uh, as a partner. And so what we see here is that the scribes and Pharisees were guilty of, of never truly understanding the intent of the law how God intended us to love. That was the spiritual character of the law. Not a question of do's and don'ts, but understanding really that the only way you could live was by love. And so the whole purpose of everything that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, all of the law of the prophets, all of the commands are distilled by this. We are to love our neighbor as ourselves. In the same way that you love yourself. In the same way that you would want to be treated. Now, even though we are failed human beings, even though we are filled with sin, even though we are filled with error, this is the abiding principle of our lives. And I would say this, that if you pray to the Lord every day, Lord, help me to live this way. Help me, God. Give me the strength to do this. As I value my own life, Father, help me to value the lives of other people. No matter where I am, 
no matter what relationship it is. Yes, you start with your wife. Yes, you start with your children, but then it goes far beyond that. It's about how you treat strangers, how you go to your golf clubs and shopping, and how when you come across people, you treat them with respect and love. Uh, and here's the problem. You would never hurt yourself. Well, then why would you hurt somebody else? You begin to desire the well-being of your neighbor. You see how this works? How it resonates and permeates? You look at your neighbor now, and you're not seeing him as a hateful person, a vengeful person, but now you see that person caught up in the snares of Satan. You see that. Now you pray for them, and as you pray for them, you respect them. And as you respect them, you begin to love them under the love of Jesus Christ. Uh, and once you apply this principle, it changes your life. It will change everything that you do in your life. Uh, and Jesus brings us to a recognition of this very uh, condition. And so Jesus is powerfully bringing us the presentation of the law and the prophets, Pro powerfully summarizing everything that God did. The whole issue that we are dealing with is self, self, ego, self-centeredness. Uh, that is the basic human condition. We are concerned solely about ourselves. Uh, we are supreme narcissists. Uh, and so when you are supreme narcissists, all you care about every day is me, 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 me. And anybody that gets in the way of me you want to dispose of them. That's the natural human condition. That's how the world lives. This is what separates us from the world. We don't live for me. We live for him. And when you live for him, everything changes. Everything changes because now it's your relationship with God. When you look in the mirror, you see God looking back at you. You see Jesus looking back at it. And all of a sudden, your issues are irrelevant. But the question is, Lord, what can I do to advance your will? How can I advance the kingdom of God? And so you cannot possibly love your neighbor unless you first love God. You understand? You can't possibly love your neighbor unless you love God. And so that's the question I have for you today. Do you truly love God? Do you truly submit to his will? Do you bow before his throne? Do you truly embrace him? Because if you do, then all these other things will be added to you. Now, no one, no one can truly come into the presence of God without concluding, I am unclean. I am unclean. I love those verses in Isaiah where the prophet gets a vision vision of God, and sees the cherubim and recognizes, Lord, I am unclean. I am a sinful man. Uh, and, and, and God really restores that man. That's what it's like when we bow before the throne of God and get a vision of God. We understood it. Our, our face should be in the dust. We no longer think about our rights, our dignity, our self-respect, but instead we think about him. Lord, what do I have to do to serve you? How do I advance the kingdom of God in so many ways? Lord, I am unworthy. You have saved me. I am unworthy. And Lord, now I can go through a world and advance hatred. I can treat people with hatred and be unkind and disrespectful. It's impossible. 
And if you're acting that way, I think you need to get back on your knees and ask God to change you because you cannot possibly have the power of the Holy Spirit within you if this is how you act. We have to see others in this world as victims of Satan. If they're not saved, if they've not had, uh, accepted Jesus Christ, that's what they are. They're in handcuffs to Satan, and so we have to understand this. And so this becomes a powerful engine for the rest of your life as to how you conduct yourself into the kingdom of God. Can you imagine if we as a church uniformly acted this way? This church would be packed with people who would want to be a part of what we're doing, who would see what we do, who would be drawn powerfully to what we're doing. All right, and you want ministry? There's your ministry. You're worried about how maybe you want to go to Africa. You don't have to go to Africa. You can camp out right here in Naples, Florida and act like that and bring hundreds and hundreds of people to Jesus Christ merely with the way you impact the world. Can I get an amen on that, church? This is understanding. Uh, and so as I said, it is a near impossibility for philosophers or people in this world who are not Christians to act like this. Forget it. It can't happen. They walk around in original sin. The DNA of our bodies is not, is not set up like this. It's set up like if you hurt me, I'll hurt you back. You do dirt to me, I'll do more dirt to you. You understand this? We've all been, been raised in many ways like this, even if we've been raised in churches. We have to break this cycle. Uh, and, and so Jesus was a student of the Old Testament. Nobody knew the Old Testament better than Jesus, and Jesus really understood it because Jesus helped to write it, all right? And so he understood it, and God had already spoken out on this issue 1,600 years before. How about that? 1,600 years before the Lord walked in this world. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 34, and it says there, when a foreigner resides among you in your land. This is from Moses. Do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself. For you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Treat those people the way you were treated. Remember when you were in Egypt, Israel. Remember how you were treated. Remember when you were a foreigner. Now I want you to treat those people the same way. Well, that was the essence, the foundational predicate of what would become uh, the golden rule. So God had foreordained this law even before the commandments had really been written uh, from the time they were leaving Egypt. Uh, and so the golden rule doesn't say it's intended only for the loving. It's intended only for your family. It's intended only for your friends. Really, it's in, not intended just for the people close to you. It's intended for everyone that crosses your path. Every single person. It doesn't matter what, it's, what their status is. It's crystal clear. This is how God intends for us to act. Now, we have to be aware of some general human failings that afflict even good Christians. And this is important as you reflect on this. People who are hurt often hurt others. Uh, people who have been insulted in life often insult others. People who have been disrespected in life often 
disrespect others. People who have been bitter and harmed and put down often treat other people the same way. So you see what we recognize? There is a cycle of pain that takes place in the human condition. Well, Jesus says it's time to stop the cycle of pain. He's empowered you to stop the cycle of pain. He's given you the Holy Spirit. And now he's giving you directions on how that is to change. And so the answer to all of this, to all of your pain, to all of the bitterness is love. Love. Receive the love of God. Have the love of God pour into your life. And then be transformed by the love of God. Changed forever by the love of God. To live out the golden rule. The key to this is in Romans chapter 5. Verses 1 to 5, and I'll read it to you. Therefore, this is from Paul. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us into shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love has been poured into your hearts. Every single one of you who have accepted Jesus Christ has had the love of God poured into into your heart. Now, the problem with a lot of us, it's like a valve, okay? That's how the Holy Spirit is. It's like a valve, and many of us have spent our lives turning it down, turning it down. Yeah, I don't want to look too zealous. I don't want to look like I'm a Jesus freak. I don't want the world to think I'm too far out there. Instead, what you're hearing from Jesus is turn the valve all the way up and then pull the cover off of it. Let the love of God pour out of your life. Think of what you can do to change this world. Think of how this world would be impacted if every single one of us left here today saying, I'm going to love the unloving. I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. I'm going to change the way this world thinks. Yes, yes, one by one, this world will change just the way Jesus did it in that same way. So the key to this entire sermon as you reflect on it, is being filled up with the love of God. That's what it's about. God will take away your pain. God will take away your bitterness. God will take away your hurt. Do you want compassion? Well, be compassionate. Do you want mercy? Well, be merciful. Do you want respect? Well, be respectful. Uh, we need to constantly step outside of our own self-will and look at the other person and reflect on how God is asking us to act. Jesus has given us the very secret to the most incredible life that will change forever how you live and will change forever how this world looks at you. In other words, in other words, you can understand the entire ethical law of the Old Testament and all of the prophets through the lens of love. Now it makes sense. Now you understand the Ten Commandments. Now you understand the will of God. Now you understand what God wants. God has given you love so that you can give that love 
to others that you can live this way. The Apostle Paul understood this well. In Romans chapter 13, verses 8 to 10, where he said, No debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt of love one another, to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law and the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be are all summed up in this one command, love thy neighbor as yourself. Now the commandments are completed when you love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not harm a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And so, although Paul was deeply trained in the Jewish law, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, yet he understood that love was the key, that love marked all of the commandments as paid in full. And that's the essence of this sermon today, is when you leave this church. Now, perhaps the best description of Christianity was given to the emperor Hadrian in the year 125. And I came across this, and I was very touched by it. It was given to the emperor Hadrian, who wanted to know, well, what is this Christianity about? Now, think about this. This is the Roman emperor Hadrian. It's year 125. Jesus has now been executed about 90 years before, but Christianity is exploding, and now the emperor sees it. He sees it growing all around him. What is this about in this this Roman philosopher, Aristides, who did become a Christian, says the following. And this really should be a guidepost for all of us. This is what he said to the emperor about what Christianity is. They love one another. They never fail to help widows. They save orphans from those who would hurt them. If they have something they give freely to the man who has nothing. If they see a stranger, they take him home. And they are as happy as though he were a real brother. They don't consider themselves brothers in the usual sense, but brothers instead through the Spirit of God. What a tremendous statement that is. What we should aspire to be in a church. What an amazing statement as we reflect on what God wants us to do. And so this is the essence of this message to you today, church. This is the most important thing we can have as foundational Christians, as we leave here and impact the world. Love thy neighbor as yourself. Do unto them as you would have them do unto you. Let this be the guidepost for you for the rest of your life. Amen, church? Let's bow in prayer. Father, I thank you for the words you have given us. I thank you for this message. Lord, you have really inspired us today to live a different kind of life. Help us, Lord, through the Holy Spirit to walk out these doors and to impact the lost world with love, with your love, Lord. Take the focus away from me. Put the focus on you. And let those in the world who we come into contact with be so impressed that they will be drawn to you. And there will be many others who will be drawn to what Jesus has done for us. Lord, bless our people in every possible way. Continue to be with them throughout this week and bring them back safely next week as we continue to serve and worship you. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 God bless you, church.